Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside You are back in the house of mystery and I am Al Warren last I heard um <laughs> and Mr Mr Martino is making martinis I am right here in the the basement of the house of mystery Yeah we're not letting you out either Nope Nutball. I'm chained down here. You're chained down there. You're chained down there. We keep throwing amber turds down there for you. <laughs> that's your that's your munchie. What was that you had on the? You were at the store. What were you showing me? A picture of grass. You were waiting grass. in a lineup for grass. What is yeah. that? Well, that was the cats. Like that was like the cat. So you're buying your cat or... grass, like marijuana yeah, he... grass. Like what kind? No, of he doesn't smoke it. Oh, he just eats it. He just eats it. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have these? I've never seen him smoke it. <laughs> well, he's gonna. He needs help rolling, right? He doesn't have fingers. Yeah. Come on. No. So what's what's the deal with that? Like, what? He doesn't have grass at home. You don't let him out. Well, he yeah, he's an, mainly an indoor cat. We might put him in a harness soon and allow him to go around uh, the patio or whatever. But for the most part, he's he is an indoor cat, and so he needs his greens. Got to eat the green. Well, green. yeah, you know, I, I can't tell you enough about eating green, what it does for me, you know. <laughs> you want your cat to be like me? Yeah, well, that's what, the, uh, that's what happens with the cat. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what goes on over there. I just, that, no. there's something going on in that house. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't, I don't, no. you know, scared. You get to have a warning <laughs> label on the door. You know? We do. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Crazy. Well, speaking of warning labels, um, okay, so we're we're in the horror and not who are horror section again today, and uh, That's right. yeah, horrors was last week. 
So today we're talking four murder mystery plays, okay? And we've got a guy that uh, wrote it, and so we're going to find out why. So Mr. Uh, David Michael Kemp, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how happy you are at the end. <laughs> I guess we will. I'm known. I'm known to be a little bit. So listen, um, I see this as like a, uh, you know, this is a book of, I guess, four stories, basically. Correct, yes. They're, they're like short, they're short plays. They're like 10-minute one-acts. They're four one-acts, but they kind of put a longer play. If you sort of put them all together, they have like the same detective character in all four. So why, first of all, why are you write, writing it like a play? Like, what, what's the idea behind this? I, I liked uh, some of the the stuff that you got to see, like in live theater, that was just more fun to see, you know, with people actually acting it out as opposed to just watching it like in a short movie or something like that. Like, I love the movie Death Trap. It's one of my favorite movies. But to actually see it live with the thunder and the lightning and, like, live people walking around and you feel like somebody's actually getting murdered in front of you, I think the experience is just more intense with live actors as opposed to film. Yeah. Well, you, um, you've you written, I guess, several short stories. It looks like you said 50 short stories or over 50. Um, and when you get into this, uh, is it a different process writing it like a play? Like, how how do you picture that in your mind when oh, you're putting it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. You need different kinds of editors. Now, this is the part where I can actually talk about my editors. One of my editors is uh, my, co- my cousin, Heather Slowacki, who also does my book covers, and I think she does an amazing job. She started her own publishing house called Grayland Press. She's worked with some uh, fairly notable people, and she just does a, a wonderful job. And she's also written three murder mystery books of her own. They're called the, the Element Series. Element Mystery Series, Element of Secrecy, Element of Danger, and Element of Truth. And she's much more, I think, aligned with maybe some of the stuff that you might like, Alan, just like like the murder mystery in like its purest sense without any of the, the graphic horror, I'm assuming. As far as the plays go, I knew I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I, I knew I was going to have fun. I knew, you know, it was just like a new experience of writing plays because I was an English major, I read a lot of plays. And I won an award in college uh, about my, my paper about Arthur Miller's The Crucible, and I took a seminar on Arthur Miller. So I, I liked the whole process, but I ended up hiring this lady, Colette Friedman, who has had plays produced all over the world. And even though you know the changes were subtle that she made, <laughs> the world of difference was just incredible. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought that there was no limited budget on my play. You know, we could change sets five times for a 10-minute play. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but she kept it simple so that, you know, it, it could actually be done, like really be done in the practical sense, keeping it to one set and keeping the, the number of characters to what was really necessary for the plot, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, Dale, um What's the premise behind this when you say four murder mystery plays uh, and you talk about alcoholism as a serious problem and you could, and again, so is murder. Well, I, I don't see a problem with it, but um, murder that is. <laughs> but let, let's talk about the premise. Like, what, what does it mean to you? Well, I, I wanted to 
not just have plays that were focusing on murder mystery elements, but also, you know, I'm a person in recovery. I'm an alcoholic, and I haven't had a drink in six and a half years. And first of all, I had to get past the nonsense that, you know, to be a great writer, you must be drunk all the time. There, there have been great writers who've been drunks, and there have been drunks who thought they were great writers, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think it's irrelevant. I think, you know, we were talking about Truman Capote a little while ago. I totally agree with him when he said that you're either a writer or you're not. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah, yeah. And only so, I think when you get into that, it's you, you're a writer or not. So when you're drinking and you're writing or when you're not drinking and you're writing, you're still writing. It represents yeah, who I, you I, are at the time. I just, I, so, you know, I don't think one means the other personally. I agree with that. I, I thought that altering your mind is what made yeah. one great, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, you know, just put on like a bunch of old movies, things that I've seen before, like Risky Business a hundred times, something that I wouldn't pay too much attention to is background noise. But I think that the way that I do it now, you know, I, I read a lot more, I take in more, and I can really concentrate on the story structure in my novels and my plays and my short stories. And the other thing too is the humility of being sober makes your mind more open to actually listening to the criticisms of your editor. You know, when I was drinking, I'm not even sure why I hired an editor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, but you know, the editor themselves, if, if you find someone that you connect with that's good, it'll turn out good. I mean, I mean, they're there to make the book better. So, for them to ask questions is a, it's a good thing, you know. And if they get too too pushy, then you just push them down the stairs or something. I've been dealing with my cousin as an editor, and we get along very well. But also, a, a Bucks he used to be a Bucks County guy. Now he moved to North Carolina. His name is Al Siroys. He wrote some really great books. One was called Silly Ghouls. One was called The Bohemian Magician. And his wife is also a, a writer. She just published her first novel, Visible Signs. And Al is just a terrific editor. Again, similar to Colette Friedman. Just like sometimes you just you need a second set of eyes to you, you miss things in your own work. And you know, the advice is to just put things aside. And then when you come back, say after you had your first or second draft, like two or three months later, and you read it, it's almost like somebody else wrote it. Yeah. And you oh, can read it with yeah. fresh eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys are writers. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, it happens all the time, you know. Uh, you know, and, uh... It was also, this stuff was inspired by my love for Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and I would say my, my intense uh, fandom of Brian De Palma's movies, his early movies, like Dress to Kill and Blow Out and things like that. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're gruff detective uh, that you've got in the center of, of the place. Um, how does someone like that get created in your mind? Is this something that you um, just just develop uh, in imagination or you dream about it? Do you hear this this character? Do you see him? Like, how does this all work for you? That's, that's, that's a good question, Alan. Well, I, I'll tell you, this is what's funny is, you know, uh, it's no secret that Addicts and alcoholics have had problems with law enforcement. I don't think I need to point that out too much. So some of my friends in the 12 steps, 
have accused me of being a little harsh on uh, on the police in my books. And I actually befriended a, uh, a homicide detective, a retired homicide detective uh, in AA. And, you know, I got to talk and stuff like that with him. And, you know, the stuff he's been through is entirely horrific. I can kind of see how somebody in that line of work, seeing people at their worst, might end up, you know, turning to alter their mind. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was the combination of meeting him with, you know, I loved um, the silly detectives like Peter Sellers, you know, as Clouseau and uh, I love Columbo. But I also liked some of the more serious detectives. I liked I like read you know, because Edgar Allan Poe is the father of the detective story with uh, Dupas. Basically, I made the gruff detective a relative <laughs> of the of the quote unquote real Dupas, just to get like the Edgar Allan Poe thing in, and that mm-hmm. kind of made it, you know, so that it, it could be more fun and easier to write for me. Well, what is your process like? Do you because okay, so not to get too weird, um, but um, a lot of writers over the years that we've talked to will describe their characters as, you know, family or friends, or they, they'd have this description of characters like their personal people they know. Is that your, is it same for you in your case? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But at the same time, I, I think it's also, I do an awful lot of nods, a lot of homage stuff to things that have inspired me when I was younger. And of course, as I'm sure you guys know, they're, they're, every character is kind of you a little bit, as you as you probably already know since you're writers. There's a little bit of you in all the characters. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, how much of you do you want to put in a, in in something like this? I ask this um, not only because of something I ask a lot of people, but you've got, um, you know, you're you're a recovering alcoholic or addict. And so you writing with alcoholism is one of your serious problems. So are you are you comfortable or you're able to um, expose your, your feelings or some of the things that you went through in order to, to pull this stuff off? I mean, and I mean that in the way of, you know, today's world, everybody and their dog can find you, like you're all over, you know, social media and your books and stuff. So you're kind of being a little bit vulnerable by exposing these things about yourself is is that an issue for you or do you are you nervous no about that? no I'm, I'm like a very private person so if people want people can think whenever they want i i, I wanted to also write these plays uh i mean i heard like a bunch of play contests the best i got i got mixed reviews from uh theater directors the best i did was i got a uh, runner-up i was a a semi-finalist in one play contest, and that's the best I did out of all the play contests that I entered. But what I would actually like to see is maybe these plays being produced maybe at rehabs. You know, they have, even, you know, after people have been in detox and rehab long enough, they try to have occupational, creative things, arts to occupy their time. I, I think putting on a play about recovery in a recovery center would be a very interesting experience for the people that were going to rehab. Yeah, yeah, it is an interesting idea. You know, if you're runner-up, if you want to win, you got to sleep with more people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind for next time. Well, yeah, anytime <laughs> I need something, I... <laughs> yeah, 
I sleep sleep with them and then I'm there. It seems that's, to work. Yeah, that, that's how Warren Beatty got to the top, I guess. Oh, you, you, you no, no doubt. I'd do anything for him if you want to sleep with me. <laughs> I'm really sure my age. I can see the millennials more. Why? Who? Yeah, who is that? Yeah. Well, I'm wondering what what draws you to the uh, the short form. Uh, you know, you've, I know you've written novels, uh, short stories, uh, and, and plays. Do you consider yourself a natural short, short story writer? Oh, I, I think whatever whatever the news drives me towards. I guess I, I really became obsessed with writing ten minute plays for some reason, and then I did that. And I have to say, it's much harder than people think that it is. <laughs> I, I when I wrote my first novel, I was just the problem was that, you know, I had a bunch of friends. We drank together and got drunk. We were all going to be writers, yet none of us ever wrote anything. <laughs> mm, yep. <laughs> and of course, I mean, I'm not counting writing for my, I'm not counting municipal stories from my small town newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Although technically that's professional writing because the checks didn't bounce, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to a certain point, I was like, Pushing 40, and I wanted to write my first novel, and I, you know, I made myself do it, and I'm really glad that I did. And now I've just finished the third book, you know, in that trilogy. So, you know, it's it's more hard work than inspiration, but you need the inspiration to be able to do the hard work. And you know, every every character kind of works itself out. If I thought that the detective character should be in a novel. You know, which I still might do. You know, I, w I would have done it that way, but it just—it's the, the feeling that everything is sort of writing itself. You're just sort of it, the story is channeling itself through you, and you're just typing. I, I know you guys know what that's like. Hmm. Well, do do your characters ever surprise you? Do they kind of take over the plot, or, or do you feel like you're you're in control? Most of the time, I'm in control. A, a, a few of them have surprised me and gotten out of control, and. They were more resilient than I thought, and they survived. <laughs> uh, it, and you know, I do seek inspiration from from real life events. But a lot of the stuff goes back to my childhood. I still remember watching Salem's Lot when uh, I was a little kid in 1979 with my grandparents, and everybody remembers. Uh, a little boy scratching on the door, floating through the air. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I wish I could scare people like that. Now, I'm pretty sure I slept, you know, in the same bed as my grandparents that night. <laughs> but absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely terrifying. Scene. But I, I knew I wanted to write when I stole uh, my my aunt's copy of Peter Benchley's Jaws when I was little. Hmm. I was like, you know, reading it in secret. I was like, ah, oh, this is so exciting. The killer shark. <laughs> Brody's wife having the affair with Hooper. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna write about giant sharks and Chief Brody's slutty wife someday. <laughs> Jaws is my favorite movie of all time, incidentally. To you, what makes a good story? Like, what's what's um, what elements um, do you look for? Well, I suppose I'm not gonna say that it have to be profound or something like that, because obviously everybody's not Hemingway or Shakespeare. But I think if it becomes like a true distraction where you can forget about the mundaneness of life for a little while and it really, really takes you away, really sucks you in, the way that, say, 
Salem's Lot, the book, did to me, actually, after I watched the series years later. Just, you know, Interview with a Vampire did that for me. Peter Straub's Ghost Story did that for me. Mm. Uh, Jonathan Mayberry's Patient Zero did that for me. William F. Nolan's Logan's Run did that for me. So there's certain books that, that do that. Short stories can do it, too, I think. And I, I remember when I was in college, and the first time I read Clive Barker's short stories, the only thing I knew was Stephen King saying, I've seen the future of horror, it's Clive Barker. And I was a big King fan, so I gave him a try. And holy cow, man, those were like the best short stories I ever read. The Books of Blood. Yes. Thank you, Books of Blood. Yeah, I mean, the, the only th thing I did think was the nerve of him to try to write a sequel to an Edgar Allan Poe story, New Murders in the Remorgue, <laughs> but it was really... <laughs> But it was really good. And he was like turning the genre stuff, just turning it upside down. Because, let's face it, there, there are a lot of stale ideas, you know, stuff that's yeah. been done. Well, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to be original when there's so much out there, too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if I'm original or not. I knew that when I was writing my first novel, I knew that... I, you know, I mean, there's vampires, werewolves, witches. God knows we have enough zombies now, don't we? <laughs> it's like, what, what's like a monster that isn't used that much in a horror novel or books or movies, you know? And then I, I remember when I was a kid and I read The Arabian Nights, I was like, I want to write about the jinn. I want to write about these genies, you know? Try to manipulate us and try to get us to, you know, very similar to the, the real leprechauns in Irish folklore, try to get us to mess up by, you know, wording our desires or wishes the wrong way. So, you know, I read The Arabian Nights, watched the movie uh, Wishmaster again, read parts of the Koran, and uh, lo and behold, my first novel was about evil genies. You know, when you write a book, and like even this, this, this newer one you've got out, this uh, four murder mystery place, um, when someone takes that and reads it, um, is there something you're hoping they take away from that besides the, the entertainment part? Such a good question. Well, besides being entertained, I suppose I, I, I hope that they learn that we're kind of all in this together, that we're all the same, meaning human beings, you know, maybe to take it easy and not judge people so harshly, which I know is hard. I know is hard because... We frequently don't get our way, you know. You might have thought that Mrs. Shields should have given you a B instead of a C in third grade, I don't know, and much more serious things than that. But, yeah, it's, I try to sort of like a, a sense of connectiveness, I guess, is something that I aspire for readers to feel. Yeah. Well, that, that, that teacher in second grade, she got hers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had her head cut off by a lion in my second. I'm just kidding. Now, okay, so now we're getting into the real stuff. Exactly. I want it where the readers are in on the joke, but the characters aren't. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's a form of suspense in a way, because the readers know what can happen or what's going on, but the characters don't all know. So. Exactly. exactly. And you, you see that in movies, too. You know, it's almost like you're one of the Greek gods. You already know what their fate's going to be. You know? Yeah. I feel that every time I watch the movie Seven. After you watch it the first time, you're like, yeah, now I know what's in the box now. It's not going to shock me anymore. <laughs> it's a chocolate cake. 
So. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, when you finish a book, something like this, that has a lot of um, you in it and a lot of things you've dealt with in your life, and you complete the book and you look back at it, it's out now. Um, how, do, how do you think that's changed you? Well, it's a, a, a sense of accomplishment that I've, that I've done that. I feel a very similar sense of accomplishment. This is not too strange for you guys, I think. When I get blurbs from people that I admire, and they, you know, they, they've enjoyed, you know, the work that I've done. You know, I, I was yeah. very, you know, I was very pleased with the blurbs that I got for for murder mystery plays. You know, just some great people there. Yeah. I'm a big fan well, yeah. of I'm a big fan of Nicholas Grabowski, for example. I think he's great, and you know, it's a small world. Clive Barker's a big fan of Nicholas Grabowski. I'm a big fan of Nicholas Grabowski, and I just think that his work is it, it, it's written in a way that it's like this unique style. I can't, ironically, I can't put it into words, uh, but I, I've had blurbs from people that have just blown me away, like. Jonathan Mayberry and Gary Razor and this lady, Meredith Bogart-Brown, who wrote for Heavy Metal Magazine, I'm a big fan of. This actress, Lorraine Evanoff, this new kid, Natasha Sinclair, this actor, George Stover from Bihar movies and John Waters movies. You know, he really liked my play about the laundry room. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I grew, I grew up watching these, these low-budget movies, too. Uh, did, did you, do you guys know who Don Dohler was? Oh, no, I don't. Uh, Dave, no. I, I don't. I don't. He was a low, and I mean low, budget horror movie maker, and I just, I found that so inspiring that he didn't have to go to Hollywood. You know, he just made movies right there in Maryland in his home. And uh, George, you know, being an actor there, for example, he he worked for the only two, I mean, I shouldn't say the only two, but the two primary movie directors in Maryland were John Waters and Don Dohler. So that's who George frequently worked with. And, you know, I like the Midnight Cult movies a lot. So that was pretty cool when he when he, he liked something that I wrote. Murder mystery set in a laundry room. That is definitely, you know, you could do that low budget, I think. You kind of have a point to it, but right? Like when you when you say that, you're kind of meaning that. Uh, you're, I think you're trying to bring up the point of how alcohol, alcoholism can really um, screw up your life. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a tragedy, man. I, I'm I, I'm not going to say my sponsor's name, obviously, but he probably, oh my gosh, he was just a genius IQ and an engineer. He probably could have ended up being just incredibly successful. Uh, he's, he's doing pretty well now because he hasn't had to drink in 15 years, but he just, you know, he just threw a lot of his life. He, he ended up being homeless. Here's this guy with a genius IQ, and he ends up being homeless. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, it definitely can ravage your life. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I can say in all seriousness that it is – a devastating problem that you have to do something about. And I do think there's more than one way to get sober. I think you can get sober in other ways besides AA, but 
I do believe the program helps a lot of people. Yeah, it sure seems to, um, you know. Um, so where do you see yourself going uh, next um, now that this book's out? Where, where do you see yourself doing with writing here? Well, I'm finishing up on my new novel, and I think, you know, that's going to be uh, good to take all the characters from dark fiction and damned fiction and finally put an end, you know, to the story. I do... I do try to get people to to think about addiction and what a terrible problem that uh, it is. I mean, I I guess, I don't know if you guys saw that, that I wrote a children's book about addiction with my son when he was eight, and I'm very proud of that. There's not too many, you know, children's books about addiction. It's kind of a, you know grim fairy tale dark subject i guess for a children's book but i think we uh i think we did a good job with it and you know i did a i did a novel they laughed at me which was about a recovering alcoholic on house arrest who moonlights as a comedian even though he has an ankle bracelet on and there's various references to alcoholism in my short stories and obviously as you guys know the the plays are very thematic and filled with the, the horrors of addiction, and particularly in rehab, the, the horrors of withdrawal. With, you know, watching people go through withdrawal is terrible, particularly alcohol withdrawal. Alcohol withdrawal, heroin withdrawal, you would think would be worse, but even though they, they feel like crap and they, they feel horrible and hellish, they're still going to live. You can genuinely die of a heart attack or a stroke going through alcohol withdrawal, and it's an ugly thing to have to see. Hmm. Yeah. Even worse to experience, I might add. No, I, yeah, I could imagine. Um, how long does it take someone to, to recover from something like that? Withdrawal. Genuinely, 48 hours, you're pretty much in the clear. Yeah. You have, you have to take so, drugs to, to kind of um, stop getting the shakes? Yeah, they, they, they typically, typically value benzos to keep people having a stroke uh, or heart attack. They, they give people stuff. I mean, I don't know the exact stuff they give, but, it, you, you know, it's extremely dangerous if you're at the, like, at the end stages, Alan, where you're drinking on an empty stomach and you're not eating and you're not sleeping and you've lost a lot of weight and you don't know what the hell's going on. And then to just stop. It's extremely dangerous. Mm. Yeah, I could imagine that would be... Um a terrible thing to go through. So social media and all that. So do you have a website or a place that people can come find you? Well, the stuff is listed for Masters of Art. I usually just go right to my Amazon page. My, my, I did have a website. It's, it's down right now. I'm going to have my cousin probably design me an all-new website. Okay. So um, how was the writing um, over the last little while for you with COVID and all the weird stuff going on? Does that affect you or just things going on in your life, I guess is kind of really a question. Um, you know, I mean, of course it affects you, but do you find that it interferes with your writing itself? I'd hate to say it. It was actually kind of a hidden blessing. Okay. No. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to, to be alone and to be able to just, you know, because I live alone, just to be able to just have all that, you know, isolation and privacy, I guess. You know, I, I just, uh, I feel now, like, you know, I'm 54 years old, I feel like there's just not enough hours in the day to get done what I want. 
and you know, even though it was unpleasant and scary for all of us, the pandemic, and it's particularly hard to explain to children, you know, my son or my niece, my nephew, whatever. Um, the 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 time that you got that I got to you know to try to put some of these ideas out, you know, it's it was uh, it was pretty cool actually. I mean, I'm sorry for the COVID outbreak, and I wish I could tell you that it was horrifying, no. but it was actually sort of uh, creative and productive. Quite yeah, honestly, no, I get I get both responses. Some people find it really it's been good for them and helps them uh, get away and be creative, and other people, well shuts them down, stresses them out, and they can't can't function very well or write very well. So it's kind of, you kind of get both. So, yeah, it's interesting. Also an amateur magician here. I'm getting my magic stuff together to do some shows in the summer. My, my town's carnival usually has uh, my son and I <laughs> doing a, a magic show. Hmm. So it's just, uh, it's just us and a clown pretty much is the entertainment. Wow. I'm not yeah. going to... Say the clown's Gacy? name. <laughs> is it Gacy? <laughs> William Gacy, the clown. It's Amber. It's 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 Amber something. I can't remember. Amber Turd. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the people usually get into it. It's it's funny. I feel like I'm in the middle of a Ray Bradbury story. Mm. You know. No, it's good. And and you know, the movie Magic is one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. that one with Anthony Hopkins. Um. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. 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 That's really good. The book is even better. The book is always better. Actually. Uh, actually, even though I love the book, Jaws, uh, I'd have to say that uh, the movie's better. I also yep. think the movie The Shining's better than the book. I agree. But in general, you're definitely correct. Yeah. You're absolutely, definitely correct. Well, uh, yeah. So I, I just wanted to... So I guess uh, I wanted to thank Jeff Oliver for connecting me to you guys. I wanted to thank my friend Tamara Thorne for the blurbs for uh, the first play. And I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Michael Baker, who makes his own homemade magic tricks, stuff that is just, you know, incredible. I mean, I, I like some of these cell phone effects for magic and things like that but that the old world artist craftsman that he is it did it just his magic tricks are incredible like even if you just want to collect the stuff as art because as i'm speaking to you guys i'm just looking around and i have more magic tricks than i know what to do with i don't it's like it's it's a replacement addiction i think i can't stop buying them <laughs> <laughs> well as long as you can keep affording them i mean you know i mean <laughs> stealing. Their, their, commercial, their commercials work really well on, on me in my mind yes it's expensive but do you want to just be some amateur magician or do you want to be the real deal and I'm kind of like well I want to be the real deal <laughs> just add water it works yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. I guess I could do some ventriloquism over the radio for you guys I'm kidding Yeah. <laughs> yeah <okay>. well <laughs> On that note, well, it's been an interesting uh, conversation, and we're going to wrap it up today, and we appreciate you coming by. Um, now, your latest book is called Four Murder Mystery Plays. Of course, our guest is the writer of that, uh, Mr. David Michael Kemp. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun, guys. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. 
To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.